Warning, if there's a podcast that's likely to step on some toes, this is it. But rest assured, when I talk about a terrible interview question, I'll give you something to turn it on its ear and make it a great interview question. Hi, I'm Deva Mills, the Rebellious Recruiter. I've been in the trenches of finding people for over 20 years. I've sat on both sides of the table. Um, I've been asked terrible questions. I've heard some terrible questions be asked, and I've asked terrible questions myself. I've changed my mind on what makes a good question. Today, we're going to talk about some common interview questions and why they don't work. So pull up a seat. Let's chat. On Instagram, I had a series called Hashtag Terrible Tuesday. I've been building out a catalog of terrible interview questions. I thought when I built out my initial list of 30 bad questions, that would be it. Then the series would be over. But I often hang out in mastermind forums, and I see people suggest bad interview questions all the time, and my library is filling back up, so I might have to restart that series. Let's start with some common riddle questions, or sometimes called a stress-based question. There are several versions of this question, and you'll likely recognize it. How many gumballs fit on a 747? I often hear interviewers say that asking questions like this helps them to understand how the potential applicant problem solves. All I can say is stop. Just stop. There is nothing real world about stuffing a jumbo jet full of gumballs or a room full of tennis balls or any other empty space with spherical objects unless they're designing a 747 loading optimization program. Just because your applicant is good at math and spatial ability and under pressure doesn't mean the same method applies to filling a fictitious airliner becomes the same method as troubleshooting a programming error in an ERP or developing a new customer service process. Not remotely similar. Also, tech giants like Google, who started this trend, have moved away from these types of questions because they learned it did not predict future performance. You see, they're a data company. They studied the data of how these answers stacked up against performance. The data and the performance didn't line up on these types of questions. So let that sink in. Fictitious problem solving does not predict future performance. I recommend you start here and use a series of follow-up questions. The secret is in the deep dive, not the first response. So start with, what is the most recent project you led, or what is the most recent project you worked on? Follow it up with, what was the most difficult thing you encountered on the project? Was that problem anticipated, or was it a surprise? You see, the secret is in putting your curiosity to work. Get to know this project they worked on intimately. Keep asking them questions. How did you work through that? Did you have to work with someone to solve the issue? Really? So who was that? And what was their role? How long did you guys work together on it? How long did it take to solve it? Did you have a specific strategic method you implemented to solve this project? Did somebody teach you that method or did you learn it in a certification class? Have you ever seen issues like this before? When you've seen issues like this before, did you use the same method to solve it or was the problem just different enough that you used something else? One of the issues that this line of questioning can help uncover is how candidates tend to oversell themselves on their resumes. When you take the time to dive in to who does what on team projects, you can quickly deduce what a person is capable of and what they aren't capable of. That will tell you more about the candidate and their thought process, how they work on a team, if they take praise when it's not deserved, 
and how they respond to challenges. And then you can cross-reference that information to see if it will work in your environment. Okay, next question type. The question is in what I call the gotcha category, as in you don't know the answer and gotcha, or you give the wrong answer and gotcha. So the question is, would you ever work at Starbucks? Oh my God, this one caught me completely by surprise. The interview was going well and this question came up. I don't remember why, but it did. And after the candidate said, no, I would never work at Starbucks, the interviewer ended the interview. Later, the interviewing manager told me that the candidate was not qualified for an inside sales job with the manufacturing company because of the answer. You see, customer service was really important, and the manager said that anyone that doesn't want to work at Starbucks doesn't believe in good customer service. (laughs) Big leap, right? I was completely dumbfounded. Nowadays, I would push back. There's a million reasons a person doesn't want to work at Starbucks, and the manager never found out why this person didn't want to. They just assumed that it meant that the person wasn't interested in customer service. If customer service is really important to a position, then ask about customer service. Don't make an innocent question mean something else. Do the deep dive. Ask a series of questions to get multiple stories and experiences from the candidate. Here's a good series of questions that you can ask. What is your philosophy on customer service? Where did you learn that philosophy? What did the customer service at your last job look like? What were the expectations there? What happened if you couldn't give the customer the service you wanted to give them? Did you ever make a mistake when providing customer service? What happened? What did you learn from that mistake? What happened when a customer wasn't satisfied with your resolution? How did you then solve that secondary issue? Have you ever had an aha moment as it relates to customer service? Be sure to follow up each of these questions with another question asking about specific events and experiences. One of the things that drives me nuts is we do a lot around behavior-based interviews in this culture, but we take one experience to mean an entire spectrum of a skill set when really that person might only have one really good experience and they actually suck at that skill set. So this is why we want to dive deep. So don't just ask one question on the subject and move on, dig, and then dig some more. The third type of question that are not recommended, I see variations of these in forums all the time, and I cringe every time. I call these clever questions. Sometimes I call them fairy dust questions. They have nothing to do with skills, just the candidate's quick wit and clever response. And last time I checked, quick wit is not necessarily a required skill set unless you're a highly paid comedian on stage talking to a huge room of people. The clever questions look something like this. If you were a color, what color would you be? Or if you were a tool in a toolbox, what tool would you be? If you were an animal, what animal would you be? You get the picture. These types of questions rely on two things. One, the candidate has to have a quick wit, a clever response, and make themselves look versatile. The interviewer then, on the second point, makes an assumption, a big assumption, based on that answer that is somehow to magically tell them how the candidate does their job and how they will fit into their environment. Let's think about this for a second and use an example of how I would answer. My color, for if I was a color, I would be an emerald green for its calming effect. Sounds good, right? 
but I'm not a calm person. I'm a rather high-strung person, as you could probably tell. So the emerald calming green could be terribly misconstrued by the interviewer that I am calm, or I have the ability to calm people, or worse yet, that I think I'm a calm person, but really I'm a high-strung person, so I'm not self-actualized. There's just too many assumptions. And then diving into that, again, has nothing to do with how I do my job. So whatever those assumptions are, it carries over into the tool and the animal. And who cares if I like green? Or who cares if I would be a pipe wrench? Why does it matter that I like both sharks and squirrels? How does that relate to the job at hand? If you want to find out how the person performs, ask them this. In your last performance review, what areas of work did your manager say you excelled in? What are you doing to improve your ability to do whatever you excelled in? So if the person says, my manager said, I excel in upsells, you would then say, okay, so what are you doing then to take your ability to the next step? What's the goal there? What skills are you implementing to get even better at that? And then you can ask them, what was your favorite task or project at your last job? Well, why was it your favorite? What did you learn from that project? How did you sharpen your skills while working on that project? If you had to do it all over, what would you change? You'll notice I spend a lot of examples reinforcing what the candidate learned. This is critical, as it tells you if they are capable of learning and implementing new ideas. It also tells you if they disagreed with the accepted processes at their last job. That doesn't mean that disagreeing makes them a bad employee, but you learn their opinion and you learn how they think, and you might actually learn how they might do things covertly. Uh, against the processes that the company has in line. So now let's get to the last terrible question for today. I have a boatload of these, and obviously you'll see more terrible questions in the future. But this particular question is the grand poobah of all terrible interview questions. Not because it's a terrible question, mind you, but because the interviewer and the interviewee alike are out to be clever with the response and use of response. Yes, cleverness comes up a lot in interviews. But the question is, what is your weakness? I know, I know. If I'm going to ruffle feathers over any question, this is the question. Let's talk about why it doesn't work, and then we'll talk about how to make it work. First, it doesn't work because the interviewer always says, I want someone who is self-actualized. You guys, again, over 20 years, every manager that wants me to ask this question or I hear ask this question tells me the same reason. Second, it doesn't work because candidates read blogs, they listen to vlogs, they watch YouTube, they listen to podcasts, and people tell them how to cheat the question. And they're told to give an answer that's not a fatal response. So the candidates say things like, I work too hard, or I'm a perfectionist. It's a disaster in the making. The other thing that they're taught now is to talk about a weakness they used to have or a fault they used to have and how they worked through it to make it better. So they're still sidestepping your answer and you feel really good that you have a self-actualized person, but you still don't know what the root problem here is. So here's my suggestion. First, if you absolutely need to ask this question, consider your management style and then explain to the candidate why you need an honest but not clever response. This is why. First off, in recruiting, we are selling our company and we need to be somewhat vulnerable in the process and put some cards on the table, especially if we want the candidate to put their cards on the table. So this is a sales strategy. 
I've learned that managers that manage to strengths get further with their employees than managers that try to rebuild employees' weaknesses. And there's a lot of supporting evidence for this. So if you're that type of manager that manages two employees' strengths, say it like this. Hey there, my philosophy on strengths and weaknesses is that it's better to bolster strengths and put you in situations where your weaknesses won't be apparent. Keeping this management style in mind, what is your weakness as it relates to the job you're interviewing for? Keep in mind, this is more about keeping you operating from your strengths. Now, the candidate's not used to having a question asked like this. Their first attempt is to likely give you information that is not real or in the past. So if they come back with the I'm the perfectionist or I work too hard or I used to category of answers, say this, how has that affected your ability to do a good job? They'll say it hasn't because it hasn't. And then you'll need to ask again. Even using this method is not foolproof and you're still likely to get wimpy answers, which is why I don't recommend this as a question or a line of questions. But I have learned that there's a better way to get an honest answer about weaknesses by not asking about them. This is taking the assumption that our strengths are also our weaknesses. Remember, interviews are conversations. Don't take the first answer, do a deep dive and keep deep diving. You'll get information that is usable and specific. So start with, what are your strengths as they relate to this position or your current position? When has your strength not served you well? You're going to find a chink in the armor if they're going to be very honest with you about that. What are you doing to actively improve your strengths? Ask them about classes. What do they do to reading? Is there a nuance of their strengths that they can get better? Why do they think it's a weakness? Things like that. Why do you think it's necessary to improve that aspect, right? In a perfect world, what would that look like for you? How would that make you as an employee? How would that change your earning power? How would that change your effectiveness? Keep diving in on that. And then ask them, how do you think the company would benefit from that? You'll start getting more honest responses by going at it from the standpoint of strengths. This line of questioning still requires a person to be self-actualized though, so nothing is 100% foolproof. So keep that in mind as you move forward, that it's never about the one question and it's never about a question that causes you to make assumptions. The secret is in asking direct questions about experience, about changes, about learning styles and how they go about working with their teammates. So that's a wrap for today on the subject of terrible interview questions. There's a lot more terrible interview questions and I'll bring more to the table in the coming weeks. Thanks for listening to The Rebellious Recruiter. A quick reminder, I'll be bringing you new information every Monday and an occasional interview later on in the week with another thought leader. Be sure to subscribe wherever you are listening to this and comment, rate, and review. And share this podcast with other leaders that are looking to build out-of-this-world teams and maybe have a penchant for defying best practices. Go ahead and check me out at millsgroupllc.com and drop me a line there with your thoughts or questions. I might use your subject matter in upcoming shows. And thank you for listening. I know you only have so many hours in the week, and I'm grateful to spend this time with you. Until then, make it a great day. I'll see you on the flip side. This podcast is produced by TH3 Entertainment.